Hey, how is everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 7. And today we're going to go over the UNC basketball game against UNLV last night, as well as recapping week 12 of the NFL season. There's a game on Monday Night Football last night, still one more tomorrow. Steelers and Ravens, their game got moved to Wednesday at 3.40. Speaking of that game, special guest tomorrow to preview the Steelers versus Ravens game. He is a Steelers fan himself, so that'll be fun to talk to him about how he feels about their chances going up against Baltimore for the second time. But we're just going to hop straight into the UNC game. UNC beat UNLV last night 78-51. to A little bit of a scare there at the start, though. UNC started down 13 to nothing. We didn't score a single point in the first six minutes of the game. Very, very bad start. But we got it. Uh, Roy Williams got the team regrouped, and then we surged ahead. I believe we went on like a, after that m- moment. They scored like 26 points uh, for the rest of the game until garbage time, and then our offense got rolling. Thankfully, some stats for you here: UNC was led by R.J. Davis, 16 points, six rebounds. He was five for nine on the night, three of four from three-point range. Seems like he's going to be our best three-point shooter out of our main uh, main core for this team. Garrison Brooks, he did his thing, 14 points, seven rebounds, only five of 13 from the field, but he'll get back into his group. He actually surpassed the 1,000-point uh, mark last night, so congrats to Garrison Brooks there. Armando Baycott had a pretty good game. 12 points, 4 of 4 from the field. He was perfect there. He had 5 rebounds to go along with that as well. And Andrew Playtech off the bench, 11 points, 2 of 4 from 3-point range. He made our first bucket of the game with the 3 to really get the ball rolling for this UNC offense that was really flat and stagnant at the start. UNLV did a really good job defensively. It, it, it looked like they were playing man but they were crashing down on the bigs. You saw at the beginning of the game, Brooks and Baycott and Sharp were getting doubled uh, down on the low block because UNLV was a much smaller team than UNC is. And it was creating a lot of problems for us, a lot of turnovers. We weren't getting good shots up. They looked a little forced. And then on the other end, UNLV started the game off 3 of 3 from the three-point line. But thankfully... Once again, Roy Williams got the team regrouped. The offense finally got going. Playtech went out there, hit a, hit a couple good threes. And once this offense gets going, gets out in transition, gets to the free throw line, and just gets gets the easy buckets, uh, this team is going to be hard to stop. Very, very good game uh, after that six-minute mark, obviously. Storming ahead to win by 27. And today we, we play again, since it is the Maui Invitational, I believe that we play Stanford today. I did not check the game. or uh, Yes, we do play Stanford. I did not check that game last night that Stanford had. They have five-star recruit from Sierra Canyon, Zaire Williams. He'll be fun to watch today at 4 p.m. But let's get back to the game. UNC from three-point range last night, 35%, 7 of 20. However, in the first half, which is how we kind of got back into this game, we were 5 of 11 from three-point range. That's 45%. That's what we like to see from our Tar Heels. Again, RJ Davis was 3 of 4 from three-point range. Playtech hit a couple. Leaky Black hit a three. Caleb Love struggled a little bit. He was 0 for 5 from three-point range. Only 2 for 9 for six points, but he did have four assists. He had three blocks as well. So he really made up for it on the defensive end. He did have three turnovers. 
Turnovers were a decently large problem last night for the Tar Heels, 16 of them. But overall, it was a good way to bounce back after that rough start because it, it looked like uh, we just couldn't uh, generate any sort of offense. But I think I think this team has a lot of potential going forward, kind of like I said yesterday. R.J. Davis looks really good. I know he wasn't the five-star recruit that uh, that uh, Sharp and Kessler and Love were, but he is really good. He can really shoot the ball. And for a team that has had guys like Cam Johnson in the past who can just nail three-pointers, we need someone like that who can really shoot the ball. And I believe Caleb, Caleb Love can be that guy too, but obviously he struggled a bit last night. But if R.J. Davis is going to be our main three-point shooter, he can really thrive on this team. He looks really, really good through these first couple games. And I didn't really see much of him uh, before he got here, but he looks solid. I think the bigs look pretty good as well. Walker Kessler had seven points last night. Sharp only had one, but they each got six uh, rebounds, respectively. This is going to be a big team. We have four really good uh, centers slash power forwards that can go in and really be effective. It's going to be up to the guards, in my opinion, this year, which will determine our uh, ACC play and how we do in the tournament because this is this is a really young team. You saw some of the inexperience last night. Caleb Love with back-to-back turnovers, throwing a long one-handed pass. You know coaches always uh, get on their, their guards for throwing one-handed passes. Some of the reactions to their traps and double teams down low in the post, it just didn't look natural. But again, as the game goes on, the freshmen, they'll better they'll understand the game better. It's different than it is in high school. The defenses are very organized. They're gonna they're gonna pressure you and try to limit your strengths. But I have full faith in these freshmen. R.J. Davis, again, he looked really good. I, I've seen Caleb Love's highlight tapes in high school. He looks awesome. I think these freshmen have the potential to let UNC uh, have a deep run in the tournament this year. Even though Sharp, he, Sharp didn't even attempt a field goal last night. But he's still a really talented guy. Same with Walker Kessler. This team has the talent. and I, I have full faith in them. We only towards the end, obviously, we only shot 35% from the three-point range. But it seems like we have some guys who can shoot threes. Leaky Black, I love Leaky Black. I know he only shot one for nine last night. I know he struggles offensively, but he is the perfect utility player, and I keep saying it. So good defensively. He's a fantastic on-ball defender and team defender. He can do it all. He can rebound. He can he can pass. He's a really really good team player, and he's going to be a leader because he is a junior along with Garrison Brooks Sr. But I think this team can really, really go places, and I'm excited to see how they play against Stanford today again, against five-star recruit Zaire Williams. And then the last point on the UNC game, 21 of 32 from the free throw line. That cannot happen. I was saying yesterday how we went 19 of 24. That's pretty good. It's an encouraging sign. We only shot 65.6%. From the three point or from the free throw line yesterday, excuse me. That you don't you you can't miss eleven free throws in the ACC when we play teams like Duke and Virginia and Florida State. Garrison Brooks went four for eight from the free throw line. He's got to make those. Caleb Love missed two in a row. Daron Sharp missed two in a row. He was one for four. We have to hit our free throws. 
Everyone knows in college basketball, the games go down to the wire. You got to hit your free throws. I'm sure Roy Williams is going to emphasize that to this team, but overall, really good performance. We blew them out after uh, starting out the game rough. But I'm really excited to see how we play today, and I will get uh, I'll either recap that game tomorrow with the special guest, or I'll do it on Thursday, depending on the Maui schedule. But in a few moments, I'll go over the UNC, or not the UNC, the NFL Week 12 games, and I'll be back in a few moments. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. Now we're going to go over Week 12 of the NFL season. I'm not going to go over the Thursday night games or the Thanksgiving games. Everyone saw that the Texans blew out the Lions and the Washington football team blew out the Cowboys. So we're going to focus primarily on the Sunday games and also the primetime games. We're going to start with the New York Giants. We did beat the Bengals 19-17. We are currently first place in the NFC East. I talked that about that a bit yesterday, so we're going to keep that brief. A bit of a shocker. Falcons blowing out the Las Vegas Raiders 43-6. Not a good game from Derek Carr. One interception, 215 yards. This was a shock to everyone because they come off, they played Kansas City really tough, lost at the end of the game thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but this is a really bad sign for the Raiders because it looked like they were going to be a playoff team and a playoff team who could really push the Chiefs to the edge. But now they're 6-5 and and they have to fight for those wild card spots because that AFC is competitive. The game that I was watching on national television, the Panthers and the Vikings, that was quite an exciting game. Vikings come back. From I believe twenty-one to ten, they they win twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Kirk Cousins played extremely well, three hundred and seven yards and three touchdowns. Threw a game-winning touchdown to Chad Beebe. J- uh, Jeremy Chin for the Panthers had two fumble return touchdowns within ten seconds. It was a it was a phenomenal game. And then Kirk Cousins drove that team down the field. Justin Jefferson, I I think he's the best wide receiver in this class. He had seven receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns. His route running is just so polished. You you could tell at, at LSU he knew how to play receiver. And it's shocking how he was the fifth receiver taken in this draft class. Obviously, Ruggs and Judy were considered towards the top. And you had CeeDee Lamb as like a third. But Jalen Rager... Uh, drafted by the Eagles one spot before Justin Jefferson, they must be banging their heads right now because this guy is phenomenal. Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud. And Minnesota's back in the playoff picture. The Bills handled the Chargers 27-17. to Justin Herbert, 31-52, 316 yards, touchdown and an interception. Not much passing for the Bills. Josh Allen only threw for 157 yards. But the Bills are good. It's, it's a good sign to see their defense only hold the charges to 17 points. That's been a struggle for them this season. Now the Browns, they beat Jacksonville 27-25. They only win by two. But they're 8-3. If you told Browns fans that they're 8-3 through 11 games, they'll take it. Baker Mayfield, 258 yards, two touchdowns. Jarvis Landry had arguably his best game of the season with eight receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown. And they're running the ball well. They seem to have an identity. They have a game plan that works. Give the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and don't let Baker Mayfield make mistakes. 
It's kind of like the Giants. Baker Mayfield, if he doesn't turn the ball over, you can be happy with what he puts out on the field. As long as but he did miss some throws, some easy touchdown throws. But again, the Browns are 8-3. and three. Another upset. New England beating Arizona 20-17. This drops the Cardinals to 6-5. and five. Kyler Murray struggled on the day, only 170 yards and in an interception. A game-winning field goal, 50 yards by Nick Folk, sealed the deal for the Patriots as they try to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Miami Dolphins take care of the Jets 20-3. Not much to go over there. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL. They're on their, they're on their way to 0-16, and Adam Gase, he can pack his bags because he, he is gone. But in terms for Miami, they're 7-4 now. Fitzpatrick had a really good day. 257 yards, two touchdowns. That's like that's what you like to see from Fitzpatrick. Two is going to try to get healthy and come back. But this Dolphins team is really good. And they're in the playoff hunt. The Titans get revenge on the Indianapolis Colts. And my goodness, Derrick Henry. 178 yards, three touchdowns. This guy is a monster. Built like a linebacker, runs about a, a what does he run, like a 4-4-40? He is, he, he, I know McCaffrey's injured, and I have a lot of my friends from Charlotte telling me that McCaffrey's the, still the best running back in the league, but the best ability is availability, and right now it's looking like Derrick Henry's the best running back in football. I mean, he is just steamrolling through opponents. I believe he's leading the league in rushing right now. And he, I, Tannehill, he obviously does his thing with the play action, but Derrick Henry is this offense for the Titans. They go as far as he goes. And again, he's just a monster. Imagine trying to bring him down. The Colts did have some guys missing, though. They did not have DeForest Buckner in the middle. I believe he was on the COVID-19 list, but that's a big part of their defense. That's why they were run on uh, for most of the game. But the Titans regain possession of the AFC South. Now, I believe that is all of the Sunday 1 o'clock games. We'll get into the afternoon games. There were only three of them. The Niners game-winning field goal against the Rams, 23-20. Robbie Gold hitting that field goal. Jared Goff really, really struggled. 198 yards, two interceptions. You cannot have that from Jared Goff. He had a few interceptions against the Bucks. They still won the game, but his play has to be better if they want to make a deep run in the NFC. You've got a great defense. You've got Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey. And offensively, you have two really good wide receivers. Why does Cooper Cup only have two catches? Why does he only have five targets? you got to get him the ball. Sean McVay is too smart, too talented of a coach to allow that to happen against a Niners team that is really banged up. But they're still 7-4. and four. They'll probably bounce back from that. Now, the two most exciting games, for very different reasons, of this afternoon. The Saints and the Broncos. It was reported Saturday that the all Broncos quarterbacks were ineligible to play Sunday against the Saints because Jeff Driscoll tested positive for the coronavirus and all of the quarterbacks were in contact with him without wearing masks. So what does this mean? Does the NFL push their game back? No, they don't. They tell me you have to play without a quarterback, so they call up Kendall Hinton, wide practice squad wide receiver, 24 hours before the game. You go up to him and say, hey, I know you're playing wide receiver. You haven't played quarterback since your junior year of college at Wake Forest. He played three years there, by the way. You go up to Hinton. 
hey, you're, you're a starting quarterback tomorrow against one of the best teams in the NFC. How do you feel? And he said he's very excited, but oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Well, he was probably excited to get that opportunity, but you have to play, you have to be the starting quarterback for a team with no quarterback. He completed one pass for 13 yards. He had two interceptions. But I give that guy so much credit, so much respect. Not many people are able to go into that situation and treat it like a pro. They would just make excuses and all stuff, but he took the loss like a man. He obviously he did the best that he could. I think it's it's incredible that he was able to, to prepare himself within literally 24 hours. But then this brings this up. Why did they play the game? What was the point? When they don't have a quarterback, why not move it to Wednesday like they did for the Ravens? Is this biased by the NFL trying to help out the Ravens and Lamar Jackson because you need the TV ratings with Lamar Jackson in the playoffs because they're currently out of the playoff picture? It's it's interesting because the Ravens game has got moved three times. But this Broncos team, who they were four and six at the time, they were still on the hunt. With no quarterback, NFL says, too bad, play your game. I think there's something fishy about that. I don't like that. If the Ravens game gets moved because they don't have Lamar Jackson or either running backs, then that Bronco game should get moved. Maybe they were trying to set an example for the rest of the league saying, don't have your quarterback room be uh, be dumb and not wear masks and not be safe with COVID. But I believe that if, it, if that's how it was for the Broncos, that's how it has to be for the Ravens. And that's why the Steelers... Players were a little bit upset when their game got moved, and now it's tomorrow, Wednesday at 3.40. But again, I didn't see the game because I was watching the Chiefs-Bucks games, which I'll get into after this. But one more time, massive respect to Kendall Hinton because that is a tough task, and he, he really took his job like a pro. So the Chiefs and Buccaneers game. Tyreek Hill had seven receptions. 203 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. You heard that right. One quarter, over 200 yards and two touchdowns. He finished the game with 13 receptions, 269 yards and three touchdowns. Chiefs won 27-24, but that's the biggest storyline of the game. Mahomes had 462 yards and three touchdowns. He had 359 passing yards in the first half. Now, who do you blame this on if you're if you're Tampa Bay? Tom Brady threw two interceptions. He did finish with 345 yards and three touchdowns to go along with the interceptions. Do you blame Bruce Arians for not adjusting his offense to suit Tom Brady's strengths? Do you blame the defensive coordinator for repeatedly putting Carlton Davis, who's a very good young cornerback, by the way. He's had a great season. Repeatedly putting him one-on-one against the fastest guy in the league. No over-the-top help whatsoever. Leaving Carlton Davis on an island. The poor guys probably had nightmares of Tyreek Hill just burning him play after play and looking at his deep safeties like, can you help me, please? I believe this loss does go on the coaching staff, though. Brady obviously made his two uh, plays, but where did they start off? You started off 17-0 because you let Tyreek Hill run through your defense. 
He ran vertical routes. He's just faster than everyone. You need, when you go into that game, when you're pre-planning that game, you have to say, we're going to double this guy the entire game. We're going to have a safety over the top on his side every play to avoid the deep play. If the Chiefs are going to go down the field, play like 10-yard gains, and methodically work through their offense to get a touchdown, that's fine. At least they worked for it. But this is just Tyreek Hill running through your defense. And what happens when you stop that? They have a good drive, but then your defense forces a fumble. When, they, when it could have been 24-0, you keep your team in the game. I think the biggest problem for the Bucks offensively, run the football. You ran the ball 12 times yesterday, or on Sunday, rather. Ronald Jones had nine rushes only, but he had 66 yards. Give him the ball. Let Ronald Jones run. Let Leonard Fournette run more than three times. You have two good running backs back there. Why are you throwing the ball 41 times, and why are you putting yourself in a position where you can't run the ball because you let Tyreek Hill burn your entire team in a quarter? Start out running the football. You can't get down to those big leads, and now the Bucks are 7-5. and five. So this coaching staff has to figure this, out, figure this out. This offense has to figure this out. And Todd Bowles, that defensive coordinator, can you please not leave your best cornerback, who's very good, by the way, on an island with Tyreek Hill? You can't do that. Any team in the NFL, you can't do that. You can't leave someone one-on-one with him. Let Travis Kelsey get 15-yard gains down the middle, slant routes, anything. You just can't get beat deep like that because it's too easy. But that just shows how special Patrick Mahomes and these Chiefs are. They are outstanding. They're currently the favorite to win the Super Bowl in my eyes. I don't see anyone stopping them. And then the game last night. And then, well, this will be it for the episode. This was going to go a little longer than I anticipated in 20 minutes. But it's fun talking about the NFL. Seahawks win 23-17. to And you can go to ESPN to hear about the Carson Wentz slander and all of that. This organization is just a mess right now. You've got no protection for Carson Wentz, no good weapons. You clearly drafted the wrong receiver, even though I think Jalen Rieger has great potential. But Justin Jefferson is killing it in Minnesota right now. Chase Claypool is killing it in Pittsburgh. Michael Pittman is really getting an increased role in Indianapolis. But you got no weapons. Your top receivers are tight ends last night. I'm looking at the stats right now. That looks like two for Fulgham, two for Jeffrey three for Rager. So your top three receivers have seven catches combined. How does that happen? You didn't run the football at all. Miles Sanders ran the ball six times. What's up with teams not running the football? Do you not see the the way to win in the NFL? I know you need your quarterback to make plays, but look at the Browns. They're running the ball over everyone. They're winning games. Look at the Giants. Good defense, run the football, then your pass game opens up. Carson Wentz, I recognize his regression. I don't believe it's all his fault, but he needs to play better. Do I think you need to go to Jalen Hurts? No. I think you need to fire Doug Peterson and get rid of the GM. You got to give Carson Wentz one year with a new coach to really see if he's it because you're tied to him money-wise right now, financially. It's Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz clearly have not been on the same page this season, maybe even last season. Again, you got no protection, no weapons for him. This team needs a needs a, a rehaul. 
but that does not mean that you just give up on Carson Wentz. Try to get a new coach in there. Get Eric Bieniemy out there. There are plenty of guys out there who can really fit, make this offense to Carson Wentz's strength. But again, you got to run the football. Eagles, Buccaneers, run the football. And this is coming from a Giants fan. We're 4-7. and seven. We're leading the NFC East right now. I'm glad the Eagles lost. I hope they keep losing because that, that just gives us a better chance. But that's going to be it for 125 Unfiltered today. A little bit of a longer episode, but I really wanted to go over the NFL as in-depth as I could. And tomorrow we have that special guest. He's my friend from uh, my summer camp, Camp Greenbrier, Benjamin Price. He'll be on tomorrow. Steelers fan, Steelers-Ravens is tomorrow as well. And if I have time within that episode, I will go over the UNC Stanford game. If not, that'll be on Thursday. But thank you for listening to 125 Unfiltered, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.